And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Hello and welcome back into Seven Fifty-Five. Is real producer Cam here with you, kicking off today's show. I'll punt it over to David and Eric in just one second, where they answered your questions in real time on the Athletic app. Love the interaction, love the engagement. Thank you to all who turned out today. But I wanted to take a moment off the top of the show to give a huge congratulations to David, who won the Georgia Sports Writer of the Year Award from the National Sports Media Association. This is more than well-deserved. For those of you who have read David throughout the years or read him once, who have listened to this podcast feed once or over the four or five years that we've had this thing rolling, you know just how insightful how informative, how how real yet entertaining David can be. And this is certainly a well-deserved recognition. So congratulations to David on that accomplishment. Let's kick it over to today's show. Just a quick preview. David and Eric drilling into A.J. smith Shaver being optioned down to AAA and how that may or may not set up the stage for a Mike Soroka return. None of that has been confirmed yet. However, there have been some rumblings that he might be back up in the majors. We'll see very soon if that decision's made. But what those two potential pitching moves, one for certain, one potential, means for each of those hurlers as well as the team. And also Spencer Strider, sticking with the theme of pitching, how he's really righted the ship. He had those few hard, harsh starts a few weeks ago, yet he's rebounded and has really put on a blistering stellar performance as of late, what he has done to rebound and get back on track. The guys also talk about how hot the offense has been. Marcelo Zuna, a big contributor. And as always, Ronald Acuna Jr. continues his immense, monumental season. As always, thank you guys so much for supporting the show. Make sure you're following David and Eric on Twitter at DOBrianATL at EOF34 for updates when we do host the live rooms or when podcasts have been published. Also, make sure you're following the Apple, Spotify, Google, whatever podcast player you use. Make sure you're following the 755 is real feed so that the podcast goes straight to your app of choice and you can listen to it without having to search around and find it. Also, make sure you're subscribed to us on YouTube, just 755 is real, to watch our video content there. And if you would like to read the Georgia Sports Writer of the Year's work on The Athletic, you can do so with our summer deal, $1 per month for 12 months. All you have to do is go to theathletic.com slash 755 is real. Again, that's theathletic.com slash 755 is real to take advantage of that fantastic offer. You can also read the written work from Jason Stark, Ken Rosenthal, Andy McCullough, our entire baseball staff, as well as listen to all of our podcasts on our podcast carousel ad-free. No better time than now to join The Athletic if you aren't already. And as always, 
Thank you for supporting the podcast. Here's David and Eric with today's show. I was at an awards thing last night in North Carolina, man. It was pretty damn cool. Kenny Rosenthal gave a great speech. Bill Plasky, I know, he's, I know he has some detractors among the brave audience, but he had, as you guys could have seen the speech he gave last night, it was really, it was really good. It was cool. The whole thing was really cool. Bill Raftery was there, man. One of my heroes. I love Bill Raftery. He was there. Where was it at? Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Uh, Ian Eagle, the uh, broadcaster who does a lot of games with Rafferty, uh, got honored. Uh, so Bill came out just to, just to see him do that. And uh, this guy that got a lifetime award, lifetime college sports award, He's done Georgetown basketball for 49 years, and he's still doing it. And he does it alone. He doesn't even have that two-person booth. It's just him. And uh, I ended up in the uh, van this morning. The van driver just had me and this guy taking us to the airport. So it was like 40 minutes of stories about Georgetown and John Thompson and this guy growing up right near Coldfield House at Maryland, sneaking into games. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Man, story time with somebody that's been in a game for 50 years or so. Oh, yeah, man. You need, you yeah. need 10 hours of that. And he was, I mean, if I could have energy like that 10 years from now, I'd be happy, much less right. I think he's 77, and the dude is nonstop talking. Wow. Uh, it was impressive. So, anyway, also impressive transition there. The, the Atlanta Braves offense, man, it just continues to pummel opponents. You think, yeah. you know, Usually when you go on this kind of a run, you have a like a one-week lull where you just all of a sudden you can't do anything and people are like, oh, man, here we go again. But this team hasn't had more than like one bad game in this entire stretch. And just June, they've just been on a just roar. Just, their stats are so much better than everybody else's overall, like, you know, 100 points better than OPS, uh, tons more home runs, scoring, everything, just everything. they got so many guys clicking right now. And as a result, it's given you a chance to kind of go through a stretch of kind of mediocre pitching where, you know, your, your, your rotation, you have a, you've had a lot of early exits, third and fourth inning, that kind of thing. And you've had some bullpen has shown some sign of fatigue where you still had Dylan Lee. He's been out. He's still out. Uh, Iglesias had a few games where he's given up some runs. Uh, you've, you've been without uh, Jesse, obviously, for a couple of weeks now. So you're able to kind of – even though the bullpen has kind of been through some some ups and downs and those early exits I mentioned, your offense has been so overwhelming. You're still beating everybody. I mean, they're nine and one in the last ten. They're like eighteen out of the last twenty one. Yeah, and you think like during a season, you know, everybody, every you know, part of your team is going to have that downtime. You know, bullpen, starting pitching. Yeah, your your bats are supposed to cool off, but every every week that they do this, I'm like. They might not have that slump this year. They might just stay hot the whole year. And I think the thing with this team is there are certain offenses that, you know, you need only one or two guys to really get cold and the rest of the guys can't pick them up. If you want to have a chance against this offense, you need like four or five guys cold because everybody else can do so much damage. Yeah. They just, I mean, it. I think once Harris got hot, it was a wrap. Yeah. Yeah, because that kind of added that uh, – that anchor at the bottom of the lineup. Yep. You know, you had Arcia down real low in the order for a while, but they had moved him up. So you now you've got like 
up and down the lineup, you got a really potent hitter at almost every spot. I mean, the most you'll have at any given time is a couple of guys maybe struggling a little bit, but even but nobody has gone through a, a really hellacious slump lately. And, no, and they're like on, a ten day slump. You know, yeah. ten days of figuring it out. And early on, you had like four or five guys that were slumping at once. So, and that's what I mean. That's the only time you're going to really slow this offense down if you got four or five guys in that spot. Yeah, it's something to see, man. It's 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 really. I, I have not seen a Braves lineup this full. This is uh, this potent and this balanced ever. This is the most balanced Braves lineup I've ever seen. I mean, there's been a couple of other teams in in the majors in recent years that have been. You know, the Dodgers had a couple of teams like this. Uh, the Astros did, but uh, this is about as good as it gets, man. This offense right now, if you can just keep these guys healthy, if you can keep them healthy. You almost, you almost, as a Braves fan, you would want them to kind of go through a, maybe a, maybe a little lull between now and uh, uh, you know sometime after the All Star break because it's going to be hard to sustain this for three, you know, three four more months. And you, man, you you want to take this offense the way it is right now into the postseason, but you'd also take a little less of this offense and a little more pitching into the postseason would also be a good way to go. Yeah, because in the in the postseason, you know, you're going to face those shutdown pitchers. But yeah. I mean, that's another thing about this offense is they've done damage against some really good pitching this year. It's not like they're not one of those teams that puts up ten against the the fifth in, the fifth guy in the rotation, and then they get shut out or score one or two against the two you know horses in the front, and then they go beat up and put their numbers up, you know, against the yeah. the bottom of rotation. They're doing it all against anybody one through five in any rotation they can hit. Yeah, I mean, you could. It's a good point about uh, postseason baseball when you run up against the, you know, the all, it's all top three pitchers. There are no, you don't, yep. you don't face any, any fifth starters in the postseason, and so it's a lot harder to put together, you know, uh, to to put Eight together those big those crooked li- those crooked number yeah. innings, and, and uh, so you got to be able to, and, and but that's where it's nice to have all these masters too because you guys have guys run into a mistake here and there, you know, and and, and everybody in this lineup can do it. So that's a way to score runs in a hurry because, I mean, there's two schools of thought on it. But one is that it's really hard to piece together three consecutive or three singles in an inning to score a run in the postseason. But if you got guys yeah. that can hit bombs, you know, because even most of the best pitchers give up some bombs. You know, it's, there's not many that are ground ball guys that don't give up any home runs. So, you know, to, to be able to capitalize on those mistakes, you have so many guys that can do it is nice. Yeah, I mean, you know, back in the day when it the lineups were built a little different, you might not give up a home run, but, you yeah. know, there's so much more of an emphasis on power. I, yeah. I've seen people debating whether Arias or, you know, somebody hitting 25 home runs has more value. And that just tells you how much the the game's changed, that somebody's debating whether having a 400 hitter, you know, is as valuable as hitting a guy 240, hitting 25. And Maybe it's legit, you know. I mean, it's kind of – I leave that up to analytics guys. But it's definitely, you know, every lineup at the bottom, there's not a lot of guys that hit, you know, 285 with no power. If, you, yeah. if you're if you at the bottom of the lineup, you're either hitting 220 with, you know, 10 to 15 to 20 homer power or you are a high average guy. But it's usually not like that anymore. And the difference in this lineup is normally if you got through the bottom half of a lineup, then you work over to the top. And if you had two outs and you got a single out of those last three hitters, now you got another couple on base guys coming up. And that's when you need your three singles. But with this lineup, you turn it over. If you can just get to the one spot, you're back to the most, one of the most powerful guys on the team. 
Yeah. Uh, we've talked so much about Ronald Acuna, but he continues to be uh, a runaway favorite for MVP right now. He just has to stay yeah. healthy because he's doing, he's showing no signs of, uh, of cooling off at all. I mean, this guy is just game after game. This is what he is. And I thought he missed that, that ball he, last night. And the fact that he can do everything, you know, in for power, he's hitting for average, he's stealing so many bases, he's playing good defense, makes him so much more of a weapon because, you know, if maybe his power, if his home run swing's not there, you know, for a week or two, he's still so so dangerous, you hardly even notice it because he's still hitting balls to the gap, he's still stealing, getting singles and stealing, putting himself in scoring position. So he's just doing everything, man. Right now, I saw a great stat on him. He could be the first major leaguer to reach the all-star break with 20 homers, 40 stolen bases, and 50 RBIs. He only needs three homers, five steals, and one RBI to do that. Oh, he'll do that. I mean, I, yeah. I wish there was a stat for slugging plus stolen bases, you know, because it's like if he hits a single, it's almost a double. It's uh, it's breathtaking to watch him some nights. He, uh, right now, his rank in the National League He's he's first or second in so many categories. I mean, he's he's first in runs, 68. He's first in total bases with 180. He's first in stolen bases with 35. He's first in slugging with 568. He's first in OPS, 971 among qualifiers. He's first in war, 4.2. The guy's on pace for like nine war. He's second in batting average, 328. Second in hits. 104. He's four, uh, second in extra base hits with 41. Third in doubles. He's he's fifth in OBP at 403. I mean, he's short up that part of his game. He's seventh in RBIs. He's a leadoff hitter. Uh, eighth in home runs with 17. And tenth in walks. Again, that was something that really wasn't a strength of his game in the past, but now he's top 10 in walks. So, I mean, he's what the things he's on pace to do is it really is something he's on pace for 73 homers or 73 stolen bases and uh 35 home runs 35 70 club <laughs> jeez I, I just looked it up and aaron judge had 11.5 war last year yeah i mean he had to hit 60 homers to do it yeah record breaking home run season yeah that's how oh, much more sorry, he's yeah. doing than just hitting and judge also plays gold glove defense yeah, you know, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. So that's uh, to, to, uh, up against his best season ever, you know. But, yeah, I uh, mean, if he keeps this up, it's not even going to be worth, <laughs> you know, having a debate or an, uh, or discussing on any of those TV shows on ESPN or anything or baseball tonight. It's just going to be like, you know, what, unanimous MVP right what day is he getting the award? Because we'll watch it. Yeah, he's unanimous MVP right now. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The other guy who you could argue has been just hugely important because it was so unexpected, and that's Marcelo Zuna. I mean... There were a lot of people that wanted the Braves. It wasn't just a few people or a small segment. It was a majority of people wanted the Braves to get rid of him in April. I was there. I was like, man, all the shit that happened and, and the, yep. the rough April, I was like, shit, it might be time. Right. To, he might not turn it around here is what I was thinking. Yeah, with the off-the-field stuff being magnified by the on-field slump, when he was getting booed vociferously, even on the road by Braves fans, it was like, okay, is this tenable? How long can you do this? But look what he has done, man. He hit, through the end of April, he hit 085, 085, 5 for 59. Jesus. Two homers, two ribbies. He had two solo homers, the only runs he drove in, right? 397 OPS in 18 games through the end of April. That was, he was the worst hitter in the majors. It's only when you, when you, when a guy feels like he's hitting 085, you still look up at the board and it says you know, 196 or something. But that's the first time it's actually matched up with how bad it, it, it looked like it was going. And since then, 44 games in May and June. That's why his numbers are just astounding when you consider where he came from. And it wasn't like a transition period either. It was like he flipped the no, switch overnight. overnight. That trip to games. Miami, right? Right, and he's continued to do it. Everybody thought it was Miami, you know, that's Miami, he'll go back to normal. But again, he hasn't had more than a bad week since then. But in 44 games since the beginning of May, he's hit 304, 49 for 161, 14 homers, 35 RBIs, and 982 OPS. In other words, <laughs> his OPS has been higher since the beginning of May. He has a higher OPS than Acuna has for the season. And Acuna's leading the National League. I mean, he's he's gone from being the worst hitter in the league to being hitting at an MVP caliber pace in May and June. It's it's just crazy, you know. I mean, one adjustment, and I, I think I say this a lot, but almost every major league hitter that you're sick of watching or pitcher that you know gives you a heart attack every time they come in the game, they're all big leaguers, and any they're just one adjustment away from something clicking and taking yeah. off like this. But th- this is on another level than just kind of getting hot. Yeah, it's uh, I, I've never I've never seen such a dramatic turnaround within a season, and see it sustained like that. 
you know, especially when you guy, get booed. Right. I've seen the guy turn around, have a great week, have a great month even, but then he goes back to normally somewhere between the two extremes. But he's continued to hit like, I mean, it, like he did in 2020, basically, when he led the league in, in homers and RBIs. That's the kind of two-month stretch he's had. Well, and you just watched that ball he hit last night. I mean, he can just flick the He's so strong. He's so powerful. He can just flick the ball out to right field. With that funky swing, man. He's got yep. such a unique swing. with The foot movement, the swing itself, how long he keeps the bat, the bat in the bat pass, you know, it's kind of flat. Yep. But, yeah, he can flick it out, man, to any field. He can pull it, but he can also flick it out. I bet he could hit homers on his knees. It's something, isn't that? You talk about a guy you would not teach to hit that way. That is, ne- that is, you would never teach any kid to hit like that. Well, no kid's gonna be as. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if if you knew he was gonna be as strong and fast as Ozuna, you basically just throw him balls and he'll figure it out, you know. But it's it's kind of like the same thing with Aaron Judge's swing. If you taught that swing to every kid growing up, and they wind up being you know five eleven, one seventy five, and hitting balls yeah. just like that, they're going two eighty. You know, you're yeah, getting yeah. your barrel and and you're launching it up there, but. Unless you're as big as these dudes, you can't swing like them. And so you just kind of get a, a free pass on having some bad mechanics when you're as powerful as they are. Yeah, it's kind of like Freddie, Freddie Freeman's swing, though, too. You would never teach a kid to hit like Freddie Freeman. But on Freddie, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful yeah. swing. But yeah. Try, yeah, try, try the average guy trying to hit like that. Yeah, and that's why, I mean, that's there's so many guru pitching and hitting coaches teaching all these kids one way to do things. and you wind up taking away their natural movement that they have that only works for them. And that's, yeah. that's kind of what Freddie is. That's what Ozuna is. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of big leaguers like that that do things their own way. And just with repetition and then being kind of special, they can get away with it. Yeah. He's got a, what, eight-game hitting streak going right now, Ozuna is. So he's hot. He's hot again. And he hit one last night. Uh, off Sonny Gray last night, who's only had only – it was only third homer he's given up all year. Sonny's dirty. He's hard to square up. Yeah, Ozuna had been two for 12 against him before that. Yeah. Struck out a bunch of times, too. So I used to play catch with him in Oakland, and he had one of those balls that just. Uh huh. I mean, it just takes off right before you go to catch it. It's like it, it, hit, it gets an afterburner halfway to you, and it's not just like it speeds up, it takes off in a direction. Like it sails or cuts or sinks. What does he, how does he do that, man? How does he make the ball move like he does? He's not a real big guy at all. He's like Huddy. For yeah. me, I mean, he's just yeah. an extremely athletic uh, dude that gets every ounce out of his body and, you know, some natural gift and talent to it, too. But, you know, he hasn't, you haven't seen him bulk up or try to throw 99. He's just stuck with what he's born with, and he was born pretty special. And he knows what he's doing. He has an idea on the mound. He's been doing it for a while, too, man. He's been really yeah. good for a while. Yeah, a couple rough seasons here and there, but he always figures it out. And his, his stuff's just too good to keep failing. The other big development last night, uh, the most important development of the night, was Spencer Strider having a second consecutive really good Spencer Strider start because that streak, that little stretch he had, it was kind of alarming for people because we haven't seen Spencer Strider struggle like that. And he was below average for the last couple of starts in that that stretch of six starts where he had a bunch of average. Giving up the homers. Yeah, he had a bunch of average ones. Then all of a sudden he had a couple of uh, two starts where he was just bad. He gave up five home runs in like nine innings. He's just not used to that. Um, so people are uh, all of a sudden are, you know, he's got to be hurt. There's the only way because we saw Spencer Strider last year basically be Superman. So when he, all of a sudden he's having bad starts, you're like, he must be hurt. 
his velo's down for him, like 95, 96, you know, uh, 97 instead of 98, 99, 100. So people were, were worried going, oh, shit, it's going to be just a matter of time before he concedes that he's been pitching hurt. Well, it wasn't. He's just doing some mechanical stuff that's been bothering him all year, and he's trying to get it straightened out. Now he's had back-to-back starts where he's looked a lot more like the Spencer Strider we're used to. Uh, and that's huge for the Braves, especially with Freed, you know, still still working his way back. I mean, you've got to have Spencer Strider as your ace at the top, ready to dominate when a postseason starts and, and the rest of the season, too. But uh, he's hugely important. And the last two starts, one three eight ERA, 19 strikeouts, two walks and 13 innings. Velo back up 98-99, uh, topped out, I think, 99.6 or something last night. Um, so it's been really big because he, he had before that he had a six start stretch May seventeenth to June fourteenth six four seven ERA eight seventy six OPS and most of that was inflated by the last two starts in that stretch where he gave up fifteen hits thirteen runs five homers and nine innings which is just unheard of for him to see him get hit like that so to, to to really come back from those two starts with these two and those were against the bad ones were against the Tigers and Mets too which made it even more alarming and he's come back with a couple of really good ones against the Phillies at Philly and against a good Twins team last night. It's got some good guys in it. So that was big. That was really big. Yeah, I, I'm almost bummed because I didn't get to watch him pitch yesterday. I just saw the highlights. But I'm bummed when he does this and I see him throwing 99 because I think it's a big step for him. And, you know, if you go into the playoffs or something and it happens to be one of those days that he's throwing 96, I, you know, I want him to know how to do it. And – so when he when he comes out throwing ninety nine and strikes out ten or whatever, it's like I don't feel like he's getting a chance to learn and get better. But he must have done something. He threw fourteen changeups last night, and that's yeah, a, that's a lot more than he's thrown before. Six yeah, things, and mixing it up. And miss, yeah, six swing and misses with the changeup. So yeah, and his he looked like he was more in line to me too. Like uh, he was uh-huh. holding the line and and tracking toward the plate for just a hair longer. Uh-huh. Um. His slider looked really good. I mean, he definitely looked – he's back. You know, when you watch him, that's what you see. But I, I guess, you know, you, you also get that learning experience when your velo's down of uh-huh, figuring out right. why. Right. And then you can fix it in game. And you can say, okay, last time when I went through that stretch where my velo was down, I was pulling off or I was a little jumpy with my back leg. And so he probably, you know, during that tough spurt, he probably learned a few things. And that's, that's the value in the struggle. Yeah, I mean, you know, in the long run, that it might be the best thing that could have happened for him. Was it has to happen. Yeah, because, uh, you know, and it really worked with Cranny. Because all he was, he was vague about it. He said there was a lot wrong with me, some mechanical stuff. He goes, I just don't want to really talk about all of it. But like what you were saying, you noticed a couple of those things. I, I got a feeling it was some little things like that that, you know, that had big effects, even though they weren't real noticeable to the naked eye. But, you know, after the Gallo homer, he retired 13 in a row at one point, 17 and 19 after that second inning homer. So he was himself. And you could see how frustrated he was after the Gallo homer, too. He knew it was just mislocation. Was I saw down. that, yeah. Yeah. But after that, he was uh, it was something else. And that changeup, man, if he could throw that that many times, that's – I can't imagine being a hitter knowing that he the changeup is legit. He's not just going to throw it twice in a game. He's going to throw it double digits in a game, 12, 14 times. As a hitter, you got to, you got to at least know it's there. And, and here's a guy throwing 99. Yeah, I don't think there's any better pitch in baseball than a legit changeup, like that uh-huh. Chris Medlin changeup. Yeah. 
if you can throw a pitch that looks exactly like your fastball and tracks like it, and then it's just five, six, seven, you know, hopefully 10 miles an hour slower. I've seen a lot of guys in the low 90s just completely dominate lineups with a good changeup. So, I mean, if he has that, it's not even going to be fair. Yeah, he's uh, he uh, he, he said he talked a lot to Sal, Fasano, and Cranny during between innings a lot. And, uh, and Travis, you know, they got such a good group of minds there working with him and and he really thrives on all that too he's a he's not one of these guys that doesn't want to think about anything when he's pitching he's a thinker and he wants to know what he's doing wants to know about got hitter swings and all that so he and travis are a really good combo and then talking to sal between innings he loves talking to sal between innings and cranny about all this stuff so uh that was uh that was big that was big his his 146 strikeouts by the way Still leads the majors. This is the guy that struggled for those six starts. Still leads the majors by 19. Kevin Gossman is second <laughs> with 127. And he also got, he's also, a, there's another great stat I saw after the game, 146 strikeouts in 16 starts this year is more strikeouts than any Braves pitcher has ever had in a span of 16 games, regardless of when it was. Any stretch of 16 games. More strikeouts than any Braves pitcher ever had. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't really, minus DeGrom, I can't really name any other pitchers I've seen look as unhittable as he looks when he's locked in. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, as, as far as I've watched, I'm sure Nolan Ryan was like that or something. But right, right. When you start talking about no other pitcher in an organization's done it, it's, you know, it's not yeah. surprising. Yeah. You know, you got, you had three Hall of Famers here at once, and you had Warren Spahn, obviously, and you had Nick Rowe, but this is a different kind of overpowering dominance, you know, with that laser fastball. But, uh, it's, uh, yeah, he's something to watch when he's on. So I know everybody was really thrilled to see him back because that's, a, he's become one of those must watch TV guys, must watch, uh, athletes, you know, every time he pitches, people want to watch him, like kind of like Fernandez was with the, with the guy with the uh marlins before he died you know it's like a that's a good point you know he's one of those guys that you never wanted to miss so yeah because today might be the day he strikes out 20 <laughs> yeah or throws the no hitter you know the yep. kind of guy that goes to the mound with no hit stuff every time like DeGrom did too but but in the last few years you knew DeGrom wasn't going to go more than five or six innings if he was healthy at all yeah <laughs> that's it's sad seeing what's happened to him yeah um uh, more pitching news. Michael Soroka could be up tomorrow. I'm expecting that. The Braves haven't announced it yet. I'm expecting that to probably not wait to announce it after the game tonight if they don't do it before. That's how they usually do that. Uh, they sent down A.J. smith Shaver, who really looked pretty good. It really looked good in his first couple starts. Didn't give up any earned runs. But you could tell he still had a lot of – he still needed some seasoning. And then his next two starts gave up quite a few more hits and some runs. And, uh, you know, they rushed him up here. Everybody knew they rushed him up here. They wanted to see what he could do, but they knew they needed a starter. And he had totally dominated at every level this year in the minors. So at 20 years old, they bring him up. Well, they saw what they thought they might see, which is he's still got some seasoning to do. But we'll see him again. And really, they needed another they needed another bullpen arm after that bullpen pitched so much at Cincinnati, you know, with the two fourth inning exits in the first two games. So they needed another bullpen arm. So this was a way to do that at the same time, you know, of getting him down for more seasoning. But, you know, if they didn't need another pin arm, there's a good chance he would not have got down yet, just yet. But they did. They sent him down. So Soroka is the obvious 
uh, candidate to fill that because he threw the near no hitter and seven inning no hitter in a double hitter game last his last start, and he would be on one extra day of rest. Uh, he gave him a solo homer with two out in the seventh inning. That was the only hit he gave up in that seven inning complete game in a double header. So uh, I think we could see Michael Soroka again tomorrow, and that's going to be uh, tomorrow afternoon. And that will be something a lot of people are looking forward to, you know, crossing your fingers again and hoping he's got, you know, he's pitched a lot better in his most recent starts than a triple-A. But, you know, it's a whole different thing up here, but we'll see. Yeah, but he wasn't pitching great in AAA. Like, you know how I said I thought that getting right. called up might wake him up. Right. You know, the opposite side of that is his numbers pretty much stayed pretty similar to what he was doing in AAA. So. When he's brought up the last time. Yeah, so if he yeah. can just kind of continue that trend, and this is now they're calling him up, and he's been hot in AAA, which is a good sign. Right, it's more deserving now yeah. than just needing a guy. Yeah, Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Can you imagine watching an entire season in Cincinnati, though? You were talking about the bullpen being beat up. Oh, my God. That would be, I mean, you'd have gray hairs by the end of it if you were 25. People forget, man, how small that ballpark is, how ridiculous it is. I guess because when the Reds are bad, like they've been for a while. They don't hurt you as bad. It's not, yeah, it's not as noticeable because you're not going to go in there and lose just because of the ballpark or whatever. So it's not as noticeable. Kind of like the Rockies. Nobody talks about Coors Field when the Rockies aren't really good. You know, it's not really that relevant. But that ballpark is the most unfair for pitchers Stupid. that there is more so than Yankee stadium. Everybody rips Yankee stadium and rightfully so because right field is a joke. And then Astros, you people used to rip, especially uh left field, the, uh, the Crawford boxes. Cause they're and so right. close, yeah. right? They're so close, but Cincinnati is more than those two. And Coors field is more of a hitter's park than any of them. It is so small. And when the ball's flying on top of it being so small, you see what we saw this weekend, which is ridiculous number of home runs. Yeah, and you see guys do what, you know, like what Olsen did. I think there's there's a, a thought that goes through a hitter's head, especially if they're going to try to do damage. If I'm going to hit it out opposite field, I have to get it, you know. Uh, so I can't, I can't just freely chase that home run the other way or, or lifting the ball the other way. But if, if you know in your head, if I just hit it pretty decent, yeah, it's probably gone. Yeah, then you're a lot more willing to drive the ball the other way, and it just gives you so much more confidence and so many more options in the box. And those homers also hit. I mean, they were well hit, but I don't know <laughs> if he goes for those at, at truest. That's what I was going to say. The last one he hit, that was, was kind of fa- bad. <laughs> it was on like a, it was on a, a fastball up. I think it was a fastball. It was up though, up in a way, and he somehow hits it. This kind of 
tower and pop fly tank type thing that's caught at the track here, and it's ten rows up. And he down knew it was the left off field the line. Down the <laughs> left field line. Right down the line. Yeah. And that's what I mean. You know, I mean it just changes your approach and frees you up so much as a hitter that yeah. you could take that pitch out on that swing. And every hitter goes in there feeling like that. And on the flip side, the pitchers, you know, you wind up being behind in counts a lot because you know when you get like a two two fastball away, it could be a homer even if you hit your spot. Imagine Ellie De La Cruz, the numbers he could put up once he gets really settled in. At, at that, yeah. with that ballpark as his home park, Acuna hit sixty. Yeah, yeah. So what, Olson? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He might anyway. Basically, he's on basically more than fifty as it is. Yeah, he's quite yeah, crazy. I, I hate that part. Yeah, it's. I hate covering games there because it's like it was like Coors before the uh, before humidor. the uh, humidor. Yeah, when you, when the games at Coors. It was so much like those games at Coors where a team gets five run lead, the other team advances with five, four runs, five runs. Comes right, it's like back and forth, back and forth, four, first team to 21, that type thing. That's what Coors Field was like, where, as you know, where you'd be up 10 to nine, didn't mean anything. You'd be up 10 to six in that seventh inning. It was like, it's game and over. That's a tie game. <laughs> yeah. That's what yeah, I mean. The only thing Coors like has, too. the only thing Coors has over, which is a great American ballpark, is those. The outfield's actually huge, but the ball yeah. flies. So you get all those bloop singles at course. But yeah. And the ball, you know, it's harder to pitch there. The ball doesn't do much. If I had to pick, I'd definitely pick uh, Cincinnati because at right. least your ball does what it's supposed to. Yeah. But I mean, it's just like if course is 100 difficulty for a pitcher, then the Great American Ballpark's like at 97. Yeah. Yeah. And the ball at course, yeah, breaking balls, most of them don't move like they do at, at, no. at, uh, sea level and, and like you said it's fair the dimensions are fair it's huge but you, you can't as an outfielder you can't both both cover you know you deep. Play super deep yeah and you got and but you give up all those singles that, that but right over the infield there's so much space there and then hit a ball in the gap there forget it it's a triple man every time yeah, yeah. i hate that place too those are two of the worst parks yeah but you know, some people have thrown one hitters and that kind of thing at Coors Field. It, you do that at Cincinnati. There's, there's got to be a reason. The ball's got to be, there's got to be howling winds blowing in for there. <laughs> Cincinnati, yeah. Cincinnati in a normal day feels like uh, Wrigley with the wind blowing out. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I could kick one out to right field at that stadium. Yeah, with the wind blowing out some days at Wrigley, it's like, oh my god, you, when it's blowing out hard like the left center. There's just so many home runs hit there on a day like that. But that's what Cincinnati felt like the whole series to me. Yeah, I mean, they say like a five-mile-an-hour wind can add 30 to 40 feet to a ball. So if it's at like 10, I mean, you figure. And then vice versa, when the wind's blowing in at Wrigley, because the parks without grandstands or at least high bleachers in the outfield, that wind just cuts right through. But I I pitched an extra inning game at Wrigley, I don't know, 2007 or 8, and I probably gave up three balls that should have been homers, and now Phil's were coming in on them. <laughs> yeah, that's a... Yeah, and then, and then by the other token, if the balls, if the wind is really coming in off the lake and blowing in, nothing's getting out there. Nothing. Yep. Nothing at all. Nothing. No place is more extreme, one way or the other, affected by the weather than uh, than Wrigley, from what I've been watching games over the years. Well, yeah, I mean, if it's five miles an hour that adds 30 feet, then you figure it detracts that too. So that's a 60 foot swing based on the wind. So if you hit a ball, 
400 feet, you know, it could go 340 or it could go 440. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, couple of good developments last night with the bullpen. Ben Heller had another good, came in and had a nice short appearance, but a really big, got a big out with uh, Carlos Correa. They brought him in with two in scoring position, got him out. Uh, that guy, he's got, he throws hard and has really good movement on a hard breaking ball, man. I'd say he's one of those guys. I don't figure out what, <laughs> what's been the hangup. I know. You're like, how could Tampa Bay have given up this guy? Yep. Yeah, he's, he could be pretty special for them down the stretch. Sometimes it's confidence, sometimes it's bad luck. But you watch him throw, and you know when yeah. he does well, it's not very surprising. Kirby Yates got his first save since 2020 at a scoreless ninth. They had they had four guys down last night after that experience in Cincinnati. They had Iglesias, Nick Anderson, Mentor, and Michael Tonkin. Really, the four four of their like five main guys were down last night. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what you expect after, you know, like you said, when a 10 4 game can blow up on you, got to use your good guys. Yeah. So they needed, they, they needed that, uh, seven innings from Strider and they got it. So, and after, after the really dismal start at home this year, when everybody's wondering why the Braves couldn't win at home, they're now 10 games over 500 at home. So, and they're just selling out. Like, I mean, now that school's out, because they were selling out games. They were drawing 35 to 40 against mediocre teams Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday when school was in session, which is unheard of in Atlanta in the years past. But now with school out, they sold out Monday night against the Twins, dude. Monday night, 40,884 against the Twins. I think Turner Field was a big hang-up on all that because – yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. you can just you can get down there two hours early and be entertained, eat some dinner, do whatever you want. And even after the game, you know, there's go have some beers or do whatever you want. There's nothing to at Turner Field for them for people to go early for. So they couldn't like go straight over, you know, early afternoon, go over there for a couple hours before the game and beat traffic that way. You know, you couldn't go at three because there's right. nowhere to go. And people if you didn't get out, <laughs> right, you were staying the night. Right. And then, yeah. And then, and then if, if the game was a great game to the wire, exiting was a nightmare too. It was really hard to get out of there. And, but, uh, yeah, there was nothing, nowhere to hang out afterwards and let traffic be diffused either. At this place, especially on the weekends, all the bars and restaurants are still hopping after the game. People are going, letting crap traffic thin down. It, it's worked out great. And I, and that's from somebody who really wanted the team to stay downtown because I think baseball belongs downtown, but this has been a great move for them. Yeah, yeah, I remember uh, firework nights at oh Turner Field. Oh my god! It, the, I'd never seen a clubhouse empty faster because yeah, you know, you normally have kind of like a a slow drain of the fans toward the seventh, eighth, ninth inning, but nobody left on firework nights, and the players knew if they didn't get out, you know, within fifteen yeah. minutes after the game before yeah. that show was over, you were stuck for. I mean, I, I don't know how many times I sat there for an hour just trying to get to the part where they gave us a little shortcut. They move a cone and let us get onto uh I can't remember that. Yeah. That highway, but they'd let us get out of there early. And just to get to that point, it was probably a block past Turner field would take an hour. <laughs> so they got 26 sellouts already. We're not even at the all-star break, 26 home sellouts. They sold out more than half their gangs at home. Yeah. I think a lot of teams are going to start. <laughs> or already are starting to try to do the same thing. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Mets are 16 games behind with their $360 million payroll. 16 games out of first place. 
And they <sighs> led the Braves last year by 10, remember, at the end of May. And won a yeah, I think game, same as I think Braves. 10's one thing, but coming back from 16. Oh, and showing no signs of it either. No spark. Right. Jared Cohen said uh, he's going to talk uh, firsthand tomorrow. He's going to do a live press conference tomorrow. Cohen is. I wonder what that's going to be. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> that could be entertaining, though. I'm done spending money because it didn't work. Yeah, yeah. We're not just going to throw more money at this. We're going to start over again next year with some different, some different faces. <laughs> I'm selling so, the team. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know baseball <laughs> could do this to you. <laughs> I, I'm a broken Miserable. man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm a titan of industry, but I. I throw up my hands in baseball. I could do nothing. <laughs> Sport doesn't make any sense to me. I'm out of here. <laughs> uh, so big, big matchup tonight for the Braves and Twins. Braves got Bryce Elder going, who should be. Um, uh, he certainly will be an all-star because that's not left up to the fans. Uh, that'll be uh, – and, and the Braves fans have done a terrific job voting the position players in, by the way. But the pitchers are chosen by the league and the manager, and Elder will be on that team, or it'll be a crime if he's not – but he's facing the Twins ace tonight, Joe Ryan, who's eight and four with a two nine eighty ERA. So this should be a really good game. Yeah, yeah. Elder's been, yeah. If he's not an all star, yeah, he will be. He'll get voted in by the players. So five and one, two point four zero ERA. Yeah, he'll make it in. All right. Uh, thanks everybody. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll be back with a regular podcast later in the week after this Twin series. Cool. 755 is real. We are out. Thanks.